Hi, I'm Hank. I'll be your host for The Damn Drunk. This week I go to Dutch Courage with Ashley and Rachel. And without further ado, let's get into the show. If you love to drink, in a healthy way, of course, then welcome to The Damn Drunk, a show about classic and not-so-classic drinks by which we seek refuge from the chaos of life. I'm your host, Hank B. Hagel, and I will be your woefully educated guide to booze, so that the next time you grab a drink, you can be mildly insufferable in an attempt to impress with knowledge. This week's show will focus on the martini, James Bond's drink of choice, despite his bastardized preferences for it. An elegant yet simple drink, the martini has become synonymous with class, city socialites, and failing marriages. I'm here at Dutch Courage, joined by Ashley and Rachel, and I'll be educating you on the history of the drink, the bastardizations that have come with it, and then we'll talk about it. I myself have ordered a Hendrix Martini, five parts gin, one part vermouth with a twist, as one should. Um, And without further ado, let's get into the history. Despite the iconic status of the drink, the origins are a little murky. According to Simon Difford, a London legend of booze, the widely, ex- the widely accepted theory is that the martini came about as a variation of the Martinez, which was equal parts gin to vermouth cocktail with orange bitters and cur- curacao. From there, the martini got drier and drier. Now, you're asking, what on earth does that mean? Jay-Z would tell you no one knows what it means, but it's provocative. In all seriousness, it just means the drinks start using less and less vermouth and become more gin-forward. Ideally, it should be no less than three parts gin to one part vermouth, in my opinion, served and not shaken, and poured out into a chilled coupe. The Martinez started as one half gin, one half vermouth, with a three-quarter ounce curacao and orange bitters, making it very floral, very orange-forward. And now you've done away with those bitters and curacao and we've gotten to just the gin and the vermouth. And with that, people have gone from half and half to three to one to five to one for folks like me who like it extremely dry. Dry just means less vermouth, of course. Now you might be asking, what is vermouth? Vermouth is a fortified wine and there's sweet vermouth, dry vermouth, and blanc vermouth. Blanc, of course, is white in French. So, Blanc vermouth usually has a little quinine and is a little bitter. Dry vermouth is, imagine a Chardonnay, super dry, a little boozier, with a hint of funk over the top. And then sweet vermouth is what you might use in a bourbon drink. Now, let's turn to the bastardizations. So, As is common with amazing things, idiots come to ruin a perfectly good thing. Now nothing wrong with creating a variation of martini. Simply acknowledge it is no longer a martini. That's all I ask. Drink it how you like, but don't ruin the purity of a martini. My favorite quote revolving around this from Dick Bradsell, the cocktail king, when he spoke to different guides about martinis. Any bullshit about martinis can be, about shaking martinis can safely be ignored. Only an idiot would perform this base heretical act on an aromatic cocktail, but then there are, seemingly, a lot of idiots around. Personally, 
I blame James Bond for this. I mean, honestly. Are you really going to trust a spy who's known world around? Like, come on. You aren't supposed to know a spy's identity, yet he flaunts it willy-nilly. Don't copy that man's martini order. Now, I begrudgingly accept that some do not like gin. The juniper might be too much, or they don't like botanicals as much. And would rather vodka. And listen, fine. Enjoy your potato water. The rest of us will enjoy the wonderful botanicals of gin. As I previously mentioned tonight, I ordered a Hendrix martini. So Hendrix is a very floral gin. It's per predominantly um, rose and cucumber forward. I think those are the two kind of lasting notes that you get from it. And I like my martinis dry. I like a slight bit of fermentation over the top, which comes from that vermouth. And with a twist, olives, olives just mask all of the good stuff. Whereas a light rind of lemon really elevates floral botanicals. So with Ashley and Rachel here, we've taken some time, tried the drinks, and kind of formulated some opinions about them. So what did you order, Ashley? So if you've ever had a French 75, you can think of the Eleanor as its more floral, rosier cousin. Um, I had a sip of it and I thought it was truly delectable. I thought that the Shot Tower Gin, which is very floral but also has a strong um, juniper base to it, goes really well with the rosebuds as well as the effervescence from the Cremant really just does it wonders. Um, cheers. <laughs> Ashley, what do you think about, first of all, I think we should like pay homage to where we are. Dutch Courage is the best gin bar in Baltimore, if not the best bar, period. Um, and it's quite busy here for a Thursday night. <laughs> um, no, this place is adorable. I really recommend everyone come here at least for the lens over here. Um, it's really close to our class, so it's not enough I know. Only if it opens at like 12.30. could go from... Yeah, it could ask the owners. Um, it's worth noting that... With martinis, one of the truly important things is to know what gins you like, know your flavor profile. And I think that's hard for drinkers that are kind of new to the let's not drink out of red solo cups and jungle juice in a frat basement. But take the time to try things you like, figure out what you like and don't like. It's a, definitely a trial by fire. Um, but once you settle on what you like, you'll have a, a drink order for life, which I think is really important. Um, because right now, for example, I'm enjoying this martini with goat cheese, uh, a chili spread, and some prosciutto. And it's truly, it's divine. I can't find a better word than divine. What did you call it earlier, Rachel? Heavenly. That's true. I think that one of the things that like scares people is 
pop culture is riddled with like alcohol references to like drinking light beer and drinking just scotch neat. And both of those, if they aren't your palate, can be pretty offensive. But I think one of the goals of this podcast is to introduce people to the fact that alcohol is an art, it's a craft. You know, some people can draw, some people can paint, some people can make music, some people can make some damn good booze. And you'll find what you like. And I would highly recommend gin to be on that list because it truly has something for everyone. Whether you want a dry gin that's juniper forward or you want a more floral gin to put in a gin and tonic on a warm summer day. Um, that's truly the beauty of gin and that's why I started this series with the martini. Ultimately, the most distilled version of a gin drink that you could possibly get beyond a shot of beef eater, which I don't recommend. Please don't shoot beef eater. It's not going to be a good time. Uh, but a beef eater martini on a cold day? Now there, you might have something. You might have something that's a little magic. As always, drink responsibly. That concludes this week's episode of The Damn Drunk. I encourage you all to continue drinking responsibly, of course, emphasis on the responsibly part, and explore the wonderful world of alcohol. Join us next week when we continue on our journey of gin with an episode on the gimlet and its variation that I've found to be absolutely delectable. See you next week, and as Billy Joel says, it's better to share a drink called loneliness than to drink alone. So phone a friend or a stranger and go have a drink. I would like to give a special thanks to Ashley, Rachel, and Chime for helping produce this episode of The Damn Drunk. Once again, please drink responsibly.